This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to the sort of Clue Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, day one of free agency in the books. And I think if you're a Jets fan, you have to be pretty happy with how things turned out. For sure. This was, uh, this was a great way to get free agency started. Um, Jets, Jets were able to check a lot of boxes uh, and do it in a way where they're getting good value. Um, obviously, all those boxes so far are on the offensive side of the ball. And you would assume some more defensive moves are coming. But um, getting it started with Tomlinson was fantastic. Then you get Barrios, Uzama, resign Coleman. Um, really nice start to free agency. I think you have to be, as long as your expectations were within a reasonable realm and you, you weren't hoping for a Jacksonville Jaguars type of wild spending spree. Good. I mean, um, that, that, as long as you weren't play. expecting that, this was an awesome uh, start for the Jets. What was the tweet I saw? I should pull it up. But it was something it was like that they've spent like $150 million in the receiving core. And it's like Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk. It's just a bunch of, I mean, no pun intended, but it's a bunch of Jags. Like um, that, I mean, and the funny thing is, is that's how I think a lot, not a lot of fans, but there's a segment of the fan base every year that like wants the Jets to spend like that. And it never works. It it literally never works. And, and I think what you said is, uh, is accurate. Like uh, going into this week, you and I had pretty measured expectations. That doesn't mean we, we didn't think the Jets were going to do anything. We said they're going to be active, but they're not going to sign the JC Jacksons or the Allen Robinsons, or they're going to go after those, uh, those really good value free agents and bring in some good veterans. And I think day one, you saw that. Um, let's start with Tomlinson uh, and we'll work our way down. And then we'll talk about um, some of the guys um, that they could sign tomorrow. This is going to come out. We're recording this Monday night at 9 PM. So who knows, maybe another signing will break while recording this or afterwards or by the time you're listening to this, but we will talk about um, some of the other guys we want them to bring in. Um, so stay tuned for that. But when we look at, at Tomlinson, first of all, I'm glad that Douglas this year uh, got a signing out of the way kind of early. I think that should be the strategy every year because you, you just give the fan base one legitimate signing in the first like hour or two of free agency and, and you just placate them for the whole day because the first hour of free agency, I started to see people not, they didn't get to the fire Douglas level yet, but they started to turn on him. You gave him that little D- Tomlinson tweet and people were praising JD all day. Um, what did you think about the signing of Tomlinson? Obviously he was in one of the guys, he was in the tier of guards of, of guys you wanted to sign at that position, uh, that top tier. Um, so what do you think he brings now that he's officially a jet? First of all, I agree with you. I think that's a good strategy for Douglas. This is a fan base that had a guy camping out in a bush outside the facility. So I would want to keep those guys at a distance and, you know, making a quick signing can, like you said, placate 
this fan base a little bit, kind of keep them off your back. So uh, that is something, or maybe it's just selfishly. I, I want to be entertained. I think it's mostly that, but um, it, it was good to get on the board quickly. Cause I remember last year, it, well, it wasn't until pretty late in the day, I think when they got Jared Davis and then got Corey Davis, um, but it took a while. So it was good to get on the board quickly. Um, but with Tomlinson, this is a getting a guard was probably not both the thing that I thought was most likely that they do and the thing that I felt like I wanted them to do the most because it was one of the strongest positions uh, of any class in this in this free agency group. Um, and it was a hole that filling makes a lot of sense to just create more flexibility going into the draft where you don't have to force an offensive line pick um, with that number four with that number four spot. Um, and, and like I said, it was a really good class. There were a lot of good options. For me, the first tier was um, Lakin Tomlinson and James Daniels. Those are the two guys who um, Brandon Scherf is in their talent tier, maybe even better than them. But um, just he was he's so consistently injury prone that it wasn't something that I was interested in. Uh, and looking at the number that he turned out getting, I believe 49 and a half over three years makes him the richest guard in the league. So it's that's definitely something I would not have have been down for in fact that was the first thing i think i asked you what were give me three um signings that you would hate and one of them was brandon sheriff the second one was barrios but at at a different price we'll get to him in a second right right um but yeah i think tomlinson and daniels were that top tier because both these guys are great scheme fits um much different ages daniels is early in his prime tomlinson's obviously going to be entering his age 30 season this year um but what's good about tomlinson is regarding his age that he's actually played his best football the last couple of years. He's been trending up, so it's not really a concern, his age yet. And he's durable, extremely durable. He's never yeah. missed a game due to injury. Um, so he brings a lot to the table. Durability is fantastic. Knock on wood. Um, I didn't actually knock on wood, so hopefully you did it. I just um, did. People listening. Yep. Um, but yeah, great scheme fit. Not only did he play in this exact offense, but his zone blocking grades are great. And uh, I've watched a little bit of him so far and, and you could see it. He's great at, he's actually not the most awesome athlete. If you look at his combine numbers, but no. he's just great at taking angles, holding his ground uh, and sealing off the backside of runs. Uh, at least that's what I've seen so far from watching him. Um, so great run blocker. The pass protection is not amazing, but it's definitely above average. Um, and you complement that with great run blocking, especially run blocking that fits this particular scheme and experience in that scheme. Um, and you get a very solid overall player. Um, so it, it's great to, for them to have filled out the offensive line. And I think that, you know, you can still make more moves if you want, whether that's center, whether that's drafting a tackle, whatever you want to do. Um, but as it stands right now with this five-man unit you've got, like I, I posted about this earlier, but it, I don't think it's crazy at all to say there's top five potential for this unit. If everyone stays healthy, if right. AVT and Becton improve, it can be that. It abs- the, the assets have been invested into this unit to where it can be very good and give Zach Wilson the best chance to succeed, give this run game and Mike Carter the best chance to succeed. Um, Douglas has done it. All five positions now have a premium asset invested into it. Three veteran free agents on you know fairly top tier deals and two first round picks and top half of the first round first half uh, first round pick so um this offensive line is i think it's i think it's complete and it's ready to make a play to enter the upper echelon of the league 
Yeah, I think you're a little higher on McGovern than I am. Yeah. But I think what, as you saw down the stretch when when LDT filled in next to McGovern, he got a lot better when the guard play improved. And also, and Michael and I, we were watching some McGovern um, before recording this podcast because we were talking about him. You can see why the Jets like him because he is a perfect scheme fit. And the fact that there, how many more centers are, are more athletic um, how many centers are more athletic than, than Connor McGovern? When you watch him get to the second level, he does it um, differently um, than, than most centers around the league. Now, obviously there's some of the mental mistakes and he does whiff on some blocks, but uh, like you said, I think the potential for this line is certainly there. Like Becton has to stay healthy. Fan has to prove it wasn't a fluke. McGovern has to play at a consistent level, but you have to love uh, the guard play for sure. Um, assuming everybody stays healthy, like you said. That durability is is absolutely massive. The way I look at it is the Jets got an extremely high character, durable, a pro bowler at a at a position of need, uh, and a position you're trying to invest, a position group you're trying to invest in. I mean, I think this is a home run signing. Uh, I try not to overreact uh, to every every signing, but I think the thing that I really liked is the Jets correctly looked at themselves and said – you know, look, when we're trying to install the outside zone running system, obviously you're prioritizing athletic guys like McGovern and guys who are finesse blockers, agile. And and I think what you saw is the Jets just weren't physical enough up front last year. There were too many times where they're just getting punched in the mouth. I mean, just losing the battle in the trenches. And they had a few games where they were able to keep Zach Wilson upright, but it never really felt like the Jets were imposing their will. It got that way to maybe a little bit towards the end of the season, like against Jacksonville and Tampa Bay, but for most of the season, the Jets were getting bullied up front, even though they had some talent. And I love bringing in a guy like Tomlinson because he is a mauler up front. And like you said, he is a scheme fit. The only concern I would have with him is, can he play right guard? That's clearly what he's going to play. I know he played it in college. Mm-hmm. I was I was watching him mic'd up at the Pro Bowl, and, and he you know he made a joke about because they lined him up at right guard. He's like, oh, back to the college days. So he seemed like comfortable with it from that brief little clip. And clearly, if the Jets are giving him that type of money, they think he's comfortable with it. That would be the only thing I would, I would point out. But outside of that, I mean, I think you really have to love this signing. And, and like you said, what Douglas has done. Um, do you think that there's any more moves uh, on the offensive line to come? I know you said, do you think this is, this is it? They've assembled it, but between the free agency and the draft, do you think this is ultimately the, the starting five? Or do you think that maybe they go after a center like Bozeman? Do they, you know, maybe pursue the Lael Collins route at tackle? Do they draft somebody like Linderbaum or one of the top tackles? Or do you think this starting five is, is probably what they're rolling the season with? I think, like you said, with McGovern, it, it, there do seem to be some signals that they might be exploring an upgrade. You know, there's the Jen, Ryan Jensen interest. Um, they're apparently very much in on him until – Tom Brady did what he did. Um, Bradley Bozeman interest was reported. I like so you. I like you couldn't even say that Tom Brady was returning. You just have I, to. I can't even. I can't even it. say it. He just, you know. <laughs> I don't. We're, we're not going to talk about it. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know. He's now that he's on the Bucks, like Patriots. I, Tom I, Brady. I agree with you. Actually, I agree with you. Like I, I, I don't overreact to it as much. He's not. I, I know the Jets just played him, but you know they're not going to play him again for a while. I, I wouldn't rule out that he will, will still be around in four years when they play him again, but, but like, well, um, that's true. Well, like Patriots, Tom Brady, I hated with like a passion. And now that he's right. on Tampa Bay, it's like, I'm kind of enjoying just watching yeah, like the, yeah. the pain is over at this point. And, and I also think it's good. Um, I think he's good for the league. He's a good villain. He's fun to root against. Yes. I think that is a, positive hey, thing you need a good for a fan you know yeah, yeah he's a perfect heel but anyway i think with mcgovern like there are some i would be okay staying with this line and i thought coming into the offseason they were okay with mcgovern but there are some signs 
that they potentially are interested in exploring upgrades. So I, I would not rule it out, um, whether that's Bozeman, Bozeman or Linderbaum. Yeah, yeah Bozeman. Those two guys. Bozeman's the only free agent out there that I think they would explore. But like you said, the it doesn't necessarily seem like he has the athletic profile. It's one thing to go right. and bring bring in a mauler at guard, but I think for this system, you really do need somebody with that athleticism at center. Linderbaum would certainly fit that profile, but um, you know, at ten, do they feel like they should go somewhere else and stick with McGovern and ride him out for the last year of his contract? Um, I don't know, but I, I think with this Tomlinson signing, Michael, you have to be uh, really excited. And and I thought there was. I had an inkling that maybe he was going to go to Miami and see him back up with McDaniel, you know, the no state income tax They had Miami had more money, sunny weather. Um, but clearly that John Benton, Michael floor, Robert Sala connection held, held strong. And, and I think that's the, the other thing um, that I I'm really happy about is the jets have made it very clear that their mission statement is to bring in high character individuals who absolutely love football and across all their signings today. I mean, especially the two outsiders that they brought in, that couldn't be any more clear. If you go listen to Lake and Tomlinson mic'd up or CJ Uzama mic'd up, uh, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about that. This guy is a guy who, who can, you know, rally that the, the locker room can rally around and, and you could see it by all the 49ers players that were upset. Um, you know, Trent Williams, uh, that he left and, and players and fan more. So the fan base, if a fan base is really sad that a player is, is left, that's kind of a good, uh, I don't know. It's a good litmus test to see uh, how good that player is. If I check the the replies to the Adam Schefter tweet and then like the fan base is like, you know, rip Bozo or like, thank God. It's like, okay, the jets got a bad player, but if they're all upset um, I think that's, that's a relatively good sign. Um, so excited with Tomlinson. Then with Barrios, you and I were literally texting like 15 minutes before then, because there's that report that said like, Oh, Barrios is might get eight or $9 million a year. And you and I were going back and forth. Uh, you've been very against paying Barrios anything more than 6 million. I think you said 6 million. I like him. He's a good player, but he's not an amazing player. I wouldn't pay that. You know, I wouldn't go up to eight or 9 million, which I, I generally agreed with. I think I said I would, I would go up to seven for him. Um, but surprisingly, especially when you look at some of the, the contracts that receivers got, a very team-friendly deal. You bring back that homegrown talent. I mean, that is something that the Jets have really struggled with over the last decade or so. But between John Franklin Myers and Braxton Berrios, ironically enough, brought in in the same um, waiver wire period in 2019. Um, both two guys, you know, proved their worth in the locker room and on the field, and they got rewarded with contract extensions. I was really excited that the Jets were able to get Berrios back at this number. Absolutely. When I saw the news, I, I was ecstatic. Even – as someone who has been um, not quite as big of a Braxton Berrios fan as a lot of people. Um, but like you said, I was discussing, we were talking about this right as soon as the news broke. And I, I literally said that, you know, 6 million per year, sign me up. I'll definitely be in for that. Um, and that's what he ended up getting. So I think it's a very fair value for what he brings to the table. Um, you get back his return ability, you get back, you know, his good, ability to contribute in all the trick play stuff, you know, the jet motion, lining up the backfield and uh, arounds, all that, and also be a, a reliable backup slot receiver, maybe even third receiver. We'll see what happens. But, um, but yeah, I think this was a good price for everything he brings to the table. I think some of the higher numbers that are being thrown out there. He doesn't necessarily bring as much as for me personally, what I would like for a receiver to bring to the table. If you're paying eight, nine, 10 million, whatever, um, so I think this is a good price for what 
uh, you're ideally getting from him. But I think it's interesting now to see what they do next at wide receiver because, you know, with this contract now, it is kind of hard to fit another wide receiver in there in free agency, especially if they make a big defensive signing like Marcus Williams, Gilmore, whoever, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, it, it is going to be probably – and like you said, the contracts contracts other receivers are getting. You know, Christian Kirk is getting $18 million per year. What's Russell Gage going to get? Probably not that much, but maybe in between Barrios and Kirk, 12, something like that. So it is going to be hard to fit in another reliable guy. But, um, you know, I still think you can – they can use some more depth. Uh, another floor raiser before they get into the draft and hopefully add, you know, raise the ceiling with another draft pick. So uh, it will be interesting to see if they stand pat with what they have and then uh, rely on the draft to round it out, or if they do find another way to get some more depth and raise the floor a little bit in there. You mentioned Keel and Cole. I think, I think that is, I think at this point that might be the most uh, sensible way to kind of complete the wide receiver unit. Yeah, I, it's like I don't love Keelan Cole, but I, I will say I was happy when they signed him out, out of Jacksonville. I thought he was, you know, it was reported that Douglas loved him. Um, he's a great blocker, knows the, the system. He's going to come relatively cheap, probably cheaper than he came last year. He has chemistry with Zach. And yeah, you're signing a guy just to be your wide receiver five, you know, because you're going to draft somebody. You already have Barrios. So this is just a guy to be depth, you know, when the injuries inevitably happen, can he play snaps and can you be comfortable with him? Um, and yeah, at the money, I, th- I think Keelan Cole probably makes the most sense. I mean, they could go and sign a guy like DJ Shark or Russell Gage, like you said, but I just, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Um, and the thing is, is like everybody's freaking out about the wide receiver position a few days ago when they didn't trade for Amari Cooper. And then it was like Calvin Ridley got suspended for the year. And so all these different things happen. And I think people were worried that the Jets weren't going to be able to sign or to, to surround Zach Wilson with a ton of talent at that position. But I will say like at the beginning of the off season, this is kind of how I saw things playing. I mean, once, once the, the contract news about Barrios started to get a lot higher, I got maybe more skeptical about how this could work, but bring back Barrios for something at like around 6 million. He can be your slot receiver. He can be your receiver for your gadget guy. He obviously brings you kick return value. You have him, um, Obviously, you're hoping Elijah Moore is going to take the next step into establishing himself as a potential wide receiver one. You're hoping that Corey Davis is going to improve on on last season, although he did do some good things last year. I think he's getting underrated by some folks in the fan base. He is not a horrible uh, receiver. Um, And then you you have the option to go draft somebody at 10 or 35 or 38 or, you know, hell, even four um, and bring in that next that that last piece, that game changing piece, whether that's Drake London or Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks, whoever it is. Um, and then it's like that receiver course pretty good, especially, and we're going to get to him in just a second. If you keep bolstering that tight end spot uh, in an offense that tries to run a lot of 12 personnel. So you're not even going to have that many receivers on the field at once. I think uh, bringing that Barrios is huge for the entire receiver room because it opens up, you know, it takes pressure off of having to feel like you, you need to go and sign one of these receivers to, overpay for one of these receivers in free agency they got their own guy the guy they wanted on a team-friendly deal and now you turn your attention to the draft and you know if you hit on that guy you can get an elite playmaker at that position on a rookie contract it's just like the quarterback so um i'm, I'm really excited how things turned out i think barris was a huge signing and i'm glad that the the reports about him getting eight nine ten million dollars were um were, were incorrect 
Uh, and I'm also glad that we kept him away from New England or Miami. That was a bit of a, a, a bit of a fear of mine. Um, CJ Ozama was the last big signing um, of, of the Jets yesterday, today, um, depending when you're listening to this. But uh, I, I really, uh, we weren't talking about him too much. We mentioned him a few times. I kind of assumed that he would go back to Cincinnati. Um, but man, uh, I'm really excited about the signing the more I've looked into it. I think the yards after catch potential is really what I like. Uh, and the fact that they're signing a guy on the upswing. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I didn't watch too much Uzama until the playoffs. That's, I mean, I really only watched him during the playoffs instead of whatever I saw on red zone or when the Jets weren't on. And I have to say, it was like when Jamar Chase was double covered, that's where Joe Burrow was going. I mean, he was clearly Joe Burrow's security blanket. He was a high character locker room guy. I mean, that's not just saying that he, he clearly, I mean, he did a lot of the pregame speeches, a lot of guys in the locker room missing the whole fan base is devastated that he's gone. Uzama to me seems like a really, um, a, a very solid signing and a guy who I think may even earn, um, he, you know, they got him on a good contract, but I think he may even outplay that, um, in this offense in that George Kittle type of role, because I think this offense really does capitalize a lot of the things that he does, uh, well, in terms of yards after catch, I know you're not as bullish maybe as I am on Uzama, but I know you still think it's a good signing. Um, what, what did you think when they first signed him? And now that you had some more time to look into it, um, you know, what is your reaction? Well, I'll be honest at, at first I wasn't too thrilled with the signing and I, as all this was going on me discussing it with you. So I sort of went through this process of embracing him a little bit because every year. I didn't yeah <laughs> this is this is every pretty much every single thing this is the standard I think we did this for Adam Gase too this is literally the Adam Gase you know it's, it's an Adam Gase syndrome you got to find a way to rationalize yeah. everything but there's there is no rationalization required here I think for me it was more so just I didn't consider him as an option as much as other guys coming in because I feel like for me my mind was on you know, first Dalton Schultz, get that top tier guy. Um, but if not him, I was more focused on the lower tier, you know, like Max Williams, Gerald Everett, um, guys who they still might potentially sign. Um, but Uzama seemed to be in that middle tier where it's like, you know, he's a bigger name. He was on the Super Bowl representative, uh, scored a few touchdowns, well known. Um, and seemed like he was going to get, I thought, maybe 10, 11, 12 per year, especially with some of the other contracts that are uh, thrown around with Najoku getting tagged uh, definitely seemed like that was possible. Um, so I expected him to get significantly more than 8 million per year. I didn't think it was the price range the Jets were going to operate in. So I didn't do a ton of research on him. Um, and then, you know, you just look at the raw numbers, you know, $8 million per year for he had less than 500 yards last year. Um, it's not amazing on paper, but then when you really dig into it, you could see the reasons for why they made this move. And you mentioned the yards after catch. I think that's easily the most appealing asset is this is a guy and, and we were watching some more of them before we started recording, but um, he's got really good speed for his size. He's not even you know, just someone, for his size. <laughs> yeah. Like we saw him run away from miles Jack from defensive backs. Um, like after years of watching lumbering Ryan Griffin and Daniel Brown, Tyler Croft, all these other Jags, it's, it's going to be jarring to watch CJ Uzama carry the ball around um, because he was a great yak guy last year. And I think that fits great in their scheme. Um, he was one of the top yak tight ends, one of the top tight ends in forcing uh, missed tackles after the catch. Um, so, and there's a great stat from um, 
next gen stats that they put out that he was the number one tight end in the league in terms of the difference of his team's yards per play when he was on the field versus when he was off. So he was an important player for them, a reliable security blanket. Um, not a guy who did a ton down the field. There's that one great play he made against Marlon Humphrey, but that was the only deep catch he made all season. So most of what he did was just checking the ball down. But I think what's exciting is that in that offense, that's all they needed from him. When you have Jamar Chase, T Higgins, um, and all these weapons, that's all they needed him to do is run curls, run flats, uh, and be there for Joe Burrow. But, you know, you see the way he carries the ball, the way he can move. It's exciting to think about what he might be able to do in an offense that tries to unleash him a, a little bit more and use them as more than just a check down. But even if he is just a check down, he is nice in that role because a, a security blanket is great. And just a guy who was, you know, a big frame can catch the ball and doesn't drop so many balls like Ryan Griffin and even Crofted points last year is, is valuable for a young quarterback. So um, beyond the, the, the raw numbers that he put up last year aren't amazing for $8 million per year, but you dig deeper, you look at the yak and think about how that fits in this offense. Um, and his blocking is I'm interested to watch more of his blocking, uh, see how good it is. But it seems like by most accounts, it is fairly solid. His pass blocking numbers were good last year. Um, so he, he's a complete solid tight end. I think he's I don't see a possibility besides him getting hurt. I don't see a way where he really disappoints. Uh, he might not be, you know, put up enormous numbers. Right. Um, that, you know, sort of warrant $8 million per year that, that you would typically hope to get from that. But he's going to play his role. He's going to be solid. He's going to be reliable. He brings the locker room presence, like you mentioned. Um, you know, it, it and, and sometimes we just say that about players, but with both him and Tomlinson, you see the way that former teammates reacted. You see their mic'd up videos and the way they lead huddles and seem like positive influences and motivators for their teammates it's it's very legitimate with these two guys the impact that they have off the field so um that's that's i think the synopsis with cj uzama i think he's a guy who doesn't have many uh, big weaknesses that are going to disappoint you uh and at the same time he has potential to be even more than he was last year so at the worst i think you're getting a good reliable safety blanket good locker room guy decent blocker at the best maybe a good blocker, maybe a very good dynamic tight end. We'll see how much they unleash him. Um, but uh, this, is, this is a sign they need to make, a good, reliable tight end for an offense that wants to run so, uh, quite a bit of 12 personnel. Yeah, and I definitely think they're going to end up drafting a tight end. I think that's a no-brainer. But it does free you up to not having to take a tight end at 35 or 38. You could wait to the third round. If you didn't get a guy at Uzama's level, if you only got a, you know, a Max Williams or Hayden Hurst, two, who two guys that I like, I think you would have felt more pressure to have to take a tight end. Um, I, they still have to take one, but they could wait to the third round and pair him up with a, a Ruckert or a Weidemeyer instead of, of, of Trey McBride. They also could take Trey McBride at 35 if he's if he's there. I do have kind of an inkling that he, he could go at the end of the, the first round for some reason. Um, but if, he, if he's there at 35 and you have a high grade on him and you want to run that 12 personnel offense with McBride and Uzama, I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome stuff. I think Uzama is, uh, you know, you mentioned the yak stuff, but I, I like his potential in the in intermediate range as well. Those PA boots. And, and like you said, it's like over the last decade, we were watching, uh, we watched uh, Uzama. He had one play against the Jaguars this year where it was like a very simple 
you know, uh, throw to the flat and then he made a man miss and he, he ran up and you saw a speedy 20 yard touchdown or whatever. And I was like, out of all the plays that Jets tight ends have made over the last decade, that would probably rank like second, like but maybe behind Chris Hearn's like one handed catch against Green Bay. You know, just that level is a good play for a tight end, but it's a it's a play you see every Sunday. The the level of production the Jets have gotten out of this the position since Dustin Keller is laughable. I mean, Austin Severian Jenkins had that one good year. Herndon had um, a promising rookie season. But outside of that, I mean, it's just like the amount of the amount of bums that the Jets have put on the field at this position is astonishing. And so the, the fact that we finally took a step in the right direction, I think last year, Douglas and Sala, it's you know rumored that they were in on jo- uh, Johnny Smith that they wanted to bring him in. They didn't end up making any upgrades at tight end, and I think that um, was probably the biggest mistake the entire offseason last year was not addressing this position because you knew how much Michael Floor is going to want to use it. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm really excited with um, with the Uzama signing. Outside of that, the Jets did bring in or, or brought back uh, Tevin Coleman. I think that was their only other move. Um, they brought back Barrios and then bringing back Tevin Coleman. Uh, I like this move as well. I think they could still sign another running back. It, Coleman didn't have a lot of guaranteed money. I think it's probably more likely they'll draft somebody um, and then pair him with Carter and Coleman. You still have Ty Johnson if you want to keep him around. But Coleman was a guy that I, I really thought performed last year. I mean, he's not an elite uh, running back by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a guy who can take um, some reps away from Carter. And you saw the burst at numerous times. Um, last season and he has experience in the system good pass catcher I mean that, that was a pretty no-brainer move and, and not surprising uh, in my eyes but briefly I mean what were your thoughts on bringing back Tevin Coleman I think it's a move that makes sense he, he really seemed like a good change of pace sort of back for them last year you know Michael Carter's a little bit more patient um, tries to string the play out a little bit uh, and I'm just talking about style that's not a criticism but yeah. um, you know Tevin Coleman comes in and he's straight downhill hitting full speed right away. Um, and it's just a nice way to change it up. And I, I really feel like they could have done more with him last season. Um, like when, what I was most appealed about when they signed him was his receiving ability. He was a very solid receiver with the Niners and Falcons, good on screens, good in the slot. Um, but they didn't really explore that a ton. And they gave a lot of those reps to Ty Johnson, which had its moments, but he also dropped a lot of balls and gave up a lot of pressure as a pass blocker. So I, I would like to see some more of that from Coleman, but um, yeah, it, it's a worthwhile signing. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a, a deal. that's very light on the guarantees. So, um, you know, they don't even have, they're not even committed to bring, bring him in for the season uh, for the season. If they don't want to, but um, I definitely like it. He's a change of pace, you know, good long speed. I think he has passing game ability. They should explore more than they did last season. Um, yeah, not much to complain about with this one. Uh, before we get to the uh, guys we, we think they could or should sign um, today or, you know, for the rest of free agency, uh, as far as returning Jets, because we mentioned Barrios and Coleman, are there any other guys that you think that they'll uh, they'll bring back that they haven't already? Uh, I think Flacco would seem like is trending that way. Um, do you think Prompt. LDT um... – I, I don't think so. I you feel like they're going to – I mean, they still have – I hope they cut Griffin. But, they, I mean, they still have Wesco, who I feel like is better at tight end. Well, they brought back um, Bodden, so it kind of feels like right. – I mean, it's not – they could have, have him compete directly at fullback, but maybe they do try to send Wesco back to, uh, to tight end um, to try to have him be more of your blocking tight end this year. 
Yeah, and I, I was going to say, do you think LDT comes back? The thing is, is that beca- I kind I kind of do. I think there's definitely a chance, but because of Tomlinson's durability, <laughs> I think he may try to look somewhere else to see if he can get you know to a place where he has a chance to start. And there are a lot of teams in this league that run uh, that wide zone, that outside zone system that the Jets are running. So it's not like he couldn't find a team that um, would fit his strengths. You know, he could go right down to Miami um, and start down there. So. No, I'll say no. I think the Jets will probably make him an offer because he's great depth, but I think it's probably more likely that they'll bring back like Dan Feeney and they'll draft somebody. Um, I, I hope they can bring him back, bring back the doctor, but um, I just, I feel like he'll sign somewhere where he has probably a better chance to, to start. All right, yeah, Michael. I, 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 uh, before you get to that, I also yeah. think the same for Moses. I think, I think both these yeah. guys are going to have better opportunities. Yeah. I, obviously the Jets would like to have them as depth, but um, they're, they're going to find better opportunities. I think. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. I think Moses and LDT, they'll make offers too. Um, and maybe it's one of those things where those guys don't sign for a while. You know, there's always the, the first two days are always hectic. The third day, it starts to slow down a little bit. As, as we get through the week, you'll see less and less signings. And then it's like, then you'll see a signing like two weeks from now or whatever. And I think that's kind of where when Morgan Moses and maybe LDT will start signing. And uh, in that period, if they don't really get the type of contract they're looking for or whatever, then or maybe they wait till after the draft or whatever. Um, I could see the Jets bringing them back. Um, let's get into some of the guys we still want them to target. I guess we'll just start with oh, there. Oh, there's one thing I, I think we should mention. Uh, I think great day one, there really wasn't anybody that they didn't get that I wanted outside of one guy, and that was DJ Jones, uh, defensive tackle. And then tied with that was the Jets let uh, Foley Fadakasi walk to Jacksonville. So, your thoughts on. Fully fought a cost, you not coming back and then not being able to secure DJ Jones who went to Denver. Yeah, I think, um, like with Foley, I, it's a deal. And both of these guys got, I believe, the same deal yeah. three for 30. So it, it's a deal that makes sense when you look at the market for these types of players. Um, I hesitate to call them nose tackles because they don't actually always line up. Yeah, they're more the like defensive tackles. ends. Yeah, but, um, you know, playing that role, run game, run down, stopping the run. Um, like that's a market for these type of players. There are guys who are a lot, not a lot worse, but not as good as those two players who are, who have been getting eight, 9 million per year. So that's a market. It's a reasonable value, but I think there are some teams that are in position to pay for that type of player and some teams that aren't. And I don't think, um, well, I don't think Foley's a great scheme fit first of all, but um, I just don't know if the jets are in position to, pay that type of player uh, they do need run defense but you know you already have lost and signed jfm quinn potentially coming potentially a first round rookie contract coming in with, with the fourth pick which isn't necessarily cheap um rankins is still signed right now so they have a lot of money invested into the d-line this is a team that still has a long way to go and it's rebuild and you know i don't i'm not sure if 10 million per year for uh, a run stuffing tackle who plays half the snaps is the best idea. And I'm not arguing that it's more I'm debating it because DJ Jones is really good and he would have been an amazing scheme fit and gone a long way towards uh, repairing their run defense. So I would have uh, definitely been a huge fan if they did it, they didn't do it. And I understand why they didn't. It definitely makes sense either way. It, it, it's a tough one because it's a, it's a great scheme fit. It's a big need for them. Um, to fix their run defense, to replace Foley. Um, but uh, it's also, I can understand why they wouldn't spend that much money. But now they're going to have to 
uh, find a way to replace uh, Foley's role in a more affordable way, whether that's with another free agent or uh, a draft pick. Yeah, I mean, they could have cut Rankins and signed one of them. It, it, you know, also it is an extremely deep defensive line class. So I think if they don't make another move in free agent, I think they will sign somebody. But if it's not like a high level or, you know, even a guy you'd be comfortable starting, um, wouldn't be wouldn't be surprising for me to, to see them take, you know, two defensive tackles because it's such a good class. They also do have Jonathan Marshall. Who I think they are pretty high on. Um, but, I, you know, I, the other thing is, um, even if they didn't get him, that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't really try to get him. I mean, they may have offered him the same thing that the same contract that Denver offered him three for 30. And then he just chose Denver because I don't see the jets going higher than that. I, I don't see the jets giving DJ Jones $11 million per year, $10 million would be a bit of a stretch. Um, so I, like you said, I'm, I'm probably, they probably didn't go that high, but even if they did it, it's conceivable that he, you know, he would have gone to Denver so that, when you look at that, there isn't really anything you, you'd want Joe Douglas to do differently. It's just kind of unfortunate that the market for Jones got that high, but it makes sense because he's such a good um, run stuffer. Um, so I, I'm trying to think about how much cap room the Jets have left. Um, obviously, they'll probably try to, to you know push some of the money um, uh, from guys like Carl Lawson and Corey Davis and CJ Mosley, try to, try to use that on this year's cap and free up the money. Um, for future caps. So they, they might not have it as much as, as we think, but I don't know if you have a number on that, Michael, but as far as what they've spent so far, I think you had a tweet about it on the amount of money they've spent so far. I'm going to keep talking so you can. I mean, they had the, they had about 35 million in okay. effective cap space. You know, if you account for the 13 million that they need to pay the rookie class. Right. Um, and then, you know, we don't know the actual cap numbers, but if you assume Barrios is six, Tomlinson 13, um uzama eight then that and then throwing one for coleman that's 28 so i guess that leaves them with about 10 million left if you just go off of those numbers but right but the cap hits are usually backloaded so and then they're going to restructure deals and also the cap is fake and they can cut guys um so they probably have a lot more than that but i i would say 10 million how many how many more how many more big signings do you think they have in them and by big, it, it, I mean, you know, starter, starter signings, guys to the sign who will start week one. I don't know. It really seems like there's a lot of smoke to the, to the fire of Stefan Gilmore and Marcus Williams, not both, but, um, but getting one of those, uh, the, there was pretty big news just before we recorded this uh, as it relates to this topic, um, with the Niners signing Charvarius Ward to a pretty big deal, the chiefs cornerback, um, because, Connor Hughes mentioned earlier that it was the Jets, Niners, and Raiders in the running for Gilmore, specifically with the Jets and Niners out in front. So with the Niners investing in another corner, um, and I'm trying to pull a ward got three years, 40 and a half million. So that's their big signing at corner. So that kind of pulls them out of the Gilmore sweepstakes. So do the Jets sign Stefan Gilmore? I was hoping it would happen. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but. If it were to happen, I thought it would oh, be cool. That, it, it, I thought it would a bit be of a cool. Qual- you didn't want to say you wanted him? I thought it would be cool if it happened during this podcast so I can react to it. But in oh, terms okay. of would I be a fan of it, I, it's a really tough one. Because, like, one one year, there, there's a lot of upside there. That's exciting. He was still pretty good last year. I know he's 32, uh, going to be 32. But, um, but he was still very good last year and the year before that when he was healthy. And for one year, you know, not a long-term risk. Um, some experience for the young guys to be around, potentially a very good player. 
um, that could work. And we've seen those type of deals be successful around the league, whether it's Xavier Rhodes, Casey Hayward, um, even Richard Sherman. Uh, that was a larger deal, but uh, we've seen veteran corners have these, you know, into their thirties, like one good year in a good situation, not necessarily maintain it, but they've been capable of having one good year. So one year for Gilmore, even if it's a high number, I, that is kind of intriguing to me, but definitely anything multi-year um, would not, I would not be a fan of for a 32 year old corner who has missed a lot of games over the past couple of years, uh, 14 games, I think the last two years. So um, it, it's intriguing for sure. But, but anyway, it does seem like it, with Marcus Williams, there was apparently mutual interest. Um, so it, I do feel like there's a good chance they make one of those two deals. I think, do you, do you agree? Cause I, I yes. really think that there's a lot of, you know, like I said, smoke to the fire, like legitimate signs. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. Um, I think by the time most people are listening to this, uh, I think those fires will have been settled. I think Gilmore and or Williams will have signed somewhere. So maybe this is all a moot point. I guess you can skip through this. But yeah, Rich Samini's pointing out that there's mutual interest between the Jets and Marcus Williams and Connor Hughes is saying that he's their top priority. And then the Jets are, you know, deep into the, uh, you know, right in the thick of things with Stephon Gilmore. And it seems like it's between them and the Raiders. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I put my tweet out, uh, you know, today where I said I would rather have Stefan Gilmore and Terrell Edmonds at safety than just splurging on Marcus Williams, but they're all great players. I think the thing with safety, and we just, we were talking about this where it's like, you know, a bad safety can really hurt you, but there's only so much a great safety can do. And, you know, there are some game changing playmaking safeties out there like Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed, where it's like, you, you feel their presence. I don't necessarily know if Marcus Williams is that he's certainly an elite middle fielder, um, I don't think you can really find a better one in the league. You can find guys who maybe perform as well, but in terms of that, that middle third, you're not going to find a guy like that. So it is, you're not going to find many guys like that. I should say it's possible that Sala, you know, is in love with Marcus Williams and that Joe Douglas will go up to the 16 or 17 or hell even 18 million. I don't see 18 million, but like 16, 15, 17 million for, for Marcus Williams. I don't see it happening. I also don't think that the Jets want safeties who are versatile and who can do, who can do both things. I'm not saying Marcus Williams isn't versatile, but he is clearly has an elite skill and that's being a center fielder. And it's not necessarily being able to, to be a versatile safety. The other thing is, and it's look, Marcus Joyner shouldn't preclude the Jets from doing anything, but this is clearly a staff that likes Joyner and had big plans for him last year. They brought him back. He is a free safety. Um, and, Outside of Marcus Williams, like you pointed out, Michael, the free safety market isn't as good, but there's a lot of great strong safeties like Edmonds, who I want to talk about in a second. So, you know, you have Joyner, you could sign one of those stud, young, strong safeties who can, who can be here for a few years. You sign him and then you could go draft a free safety, you know, on day two. Um, and you can, he can compete with Joyner and hell throw an Ashton Davis and Jason Pinnock in there as well. And it's like, I like that path. And sorry, on top of that, then you could also sign Gilmore if you wanted to. I like for the same money as just getting Marcus Williams. So I prefer that path than just signing Marcus Williams, but I'm not going to act like if the Jets sign Marcus Williams, I won't be on the same podcast tomorrow night, you know, singing Joe Douglas's praises. He's a hell of a player. You have to be happy if they land him. My ideal path though, uh, would be to go after Terrell Edmonds uh, and, you know, ideally pair him on a one-year deal with, uh, with Gilmore. I, I hadn't really, watch too much Edmonds honestly I 
I'll, I'll be completely frank. I wasn't even aware that he's a free agent. I mean, I saw you put that article out about him a few weeks ago and I just missed it. Um, and today when we, I was asking you, was like, so who are the other safeties that they could go after? Uh, you pointed out Edmonds for what it's worth. I mean, I feel like Saul has brought up his brother, Tremaine Edmonds, like three or four times in press conferences that I've, that I, that I've watched just talking about how much of a freak he is. Uh, but that's not the, the main reason. The thing is, is Edmonds is a perfect scheme fit. He's great in coverage. He has elite athleticism. He's 25. I don't think, I mean, if Mark Swims is getting 16 million, I think Edmonds is probably more in the eight, nine range. So you can get it for about half the price. He, he you know, he is that versatile safety uh, and we were watching some film of his, and man, he he does make some high level plays. He's the type of signing that I would I would really really love if if the Jets got him. Um, not even even if they don't land Gilmore and they just. Allen Robinson, Robinson or the other big, other big name free agents. So is those so guys who fly under the radar. And Terrell Edmonds to me seems like uh, the you know the perfect free agent safety for the Jets in my eyes. Um, Michael, what do you think about Terrell Edmonds and the other free agent safeties out there, including Marcus Williams? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Gilmore and the rest of the corners and other positions. But just looking at safety, it's it's clear that the Jets are at least going to sign one safety. Um, so what are your thoughts on the landscape there? Yeah, I agree. And and with with your plan in terms of you know going for a strong safety, and even even though we said. Um, that one of those other big signings seem likely if, if that doesn't happen, Marcus Williams, if Marcus Williams doesn't happen, you know, I think getting Gilmore and pairing him with one of these strong safeties and also, you know, even if that doesn't happen, just going for one of these guys anyway, I think makes sense. There's a good group of options here. J Ron curse, Jordan Whitehead um, and Terrell Edmonds, who's I think our guy now. Um, yeah. We watched some of him before, this podcast and I had done some research on him earlier. I put out an article on him, but I think he makes a lot of sense. He's a guy who is very good as a strong safety, very good in coverage. And we saw it when we were watching him, he can man up against tight ends. Um, he is very good at sniffing out screens and making tackles behind the line. Um, amazing athleticism, his relative athletic score, which is uh, it, it sums up how you perform in every single drill. Um, and compares it, scores it from zero to 10 relative to other combine. players, your position. Yeah. At the combine 9.86 out of 10. So he's about as good as it gets in terms of an athlete. Um, and it translates. And one thing that, you know, was interesting making him a scheme fit is that he covers man to man in the slot about as much as any other safety. And the jets asked their safeties to do that a lot last season, actually the 10th highest rate of any safety unit in the league. So there is that fit there. He's very good in slot coverage, does it a lot. The Jets ask that of their safeties. Um, so he brings a lot to the table. I think he highlights those strong safety options. But also, like I said, Jordan Whitehead, um, less of a coverage guy, more of an outstanding downhill run defender. Um, and the J. Ron Curse, a little bit more balance between both phases as a strong safety. But any of those three guys, I think you can get – you're getting a good above-average starter – who should come at like a mid-tier cost, eight, nine, ten million, somewhere around there, maybe even less, because Xavier Woods, who's a free safety for the Vikings, signed at I think about five million per year. So that market could be fairly affordable for some of these mid-tier guys. Um, and and I want to talk about a little bit what you said earlier with you know the value of the safety position because it's a different position than 
some others on the football field to where it it's hard for a safety to be dominant. And, you know, there are some guys who can do it. Ed Reed, Troy Palmolive who come to mind instantly. Jamal Adams was that for, you know, a short period with the Jets. It seemed like he was going to be that. It Obviously, didn't add too many wins, though. It didn't add too many wins. But although, to be fair, I think, and we talked about this. The Giants game? I think, like, maybe they don't win a couple of those 2019 games without them. Giants, definitely Cowboys, Giants. Cowboys. Cowboys. So, it, it did add some wins, but – you know, it, it's hard for a safety to be really dominant where most of their value comes in is not making mistakes. Like you think of mostly when you notice safeties is when they're messing up more so when they make good plays. Like we think of the Panthers game last year where, you know, Joyner gets hurt, backups come in, Sheldrick Redwine gives up the Robbie Anderson touchdown. And that turns out to be the difference in the game. The Bucks game, Elijah Riley gives up the game winning touchdown. That's the difference in the game. So it, the value of safety is more so how they don't make those mistakes. And I think that's what makes Marcus Williams really good is that he gives up touchdowns very infrequently, commits, does not commit a lot of penalties, does not give up a lot of catches. He And that's where the value comes in. And he, he does make a lot of interceptions too. He's averaging about three a year. He gets at least two every single season. So he does do that too. But that that's where the value comes in at safety is not messing up playing your role. So it just comes down to how much do you want to pay for a player like that? Because it's definitely valuable. Definitely helps you win a lot of games, but how much cap do you want to invest into a player? Who's never going to be like, that guy is the reason we won a game over the right. course of the season. He'll add a lot of value when he gives up one touchdown and the Jets safeties give up six, seven or whatever. But you know, when you invest a lot of cap in a player, you want it to be a difference making guy. And, you know, Williams is, he's elite, but he's not, is he's uh, 18, 19, 20 million player. Like some rumors are saying, I, I don't think so, but um, 15, 16, I think I'd be yeah. pretty excited about that. So, um, so we'll see how, how they value him, but it, it's safety is just a really interesting position to try to, you know, put a value on. Yeah, that's, that's a good qualifier that we should we should put out there. If they get Williams for 15, I think it'll be around 15, 16, if I'm being honest. Because it's honestly, a lot of these numbers that get floated around are by the agents. I mean, Braxton Barris is a great example of that, but we've seen that you know year after year. I don't think he gets eight. I don't see anybody paying him 18, 19, or 20 million unless they're really desperate to make a splash. I think 15, 16 is a lot more realistic. And if the Jets gave him that, you can't hate it. They brought in a great player. It would be similar to how I felt when the Jets brought in C.J. Mosley. It's like, and better than that, because C.J. Mosley was like a very clear overpay. Whereas like 15, 16 for Williams wouldn't necessarily be a, a clear overpay. It would just be, you know, maybe not how you'd want to allocate your resources position-wise, but you're still bringing in a hell of a player who, like you said, is going to uh, help you win football games or maybe help you not lose football games, probably more appropriately. Um yeah, you, you can't be mad about that. Um, but after I watched some Terrell Edmonds and thinking that you could get him for about half the price, um, I, I've talked myself into right. it a little bit. And I, I will say, though, you know, we're talking about positional value. I think Douglas has shown he has a good understanding yes. and a, a loyalty to operating with that sort of mentality. So if he if he feels confident enough to invest in Marcus Williams, then I, I think we should, you know, trust his judgment and, you know, the team as a whole, the coaching staff, everyone that they have a good plan for him, that they believe he will 
provide a good return on investment because th- this isn't a staff for all of their faults winning two of six games the last two years for all their faults. They definitely show a nice understanding of positional value. They don't wildly spend on running backs um, or, you know, safety, another position they haven't wildly spent on. They focused on, I think what we classify as premium positions and in terms of positional valuation done a nice job. So it seems like they have a good understanding of that. So if they do, see a safety as worthy of going all in for then I think it, we should feel fairly confident that they have a good plan for him. Outside of uh, Stefan Gilmore, it does kind of sound like the jets are in that cornerback market. I mean, maybe if they miss out on Gilmore, they won't be, they weren't apparently in the JC Jackson or Carlton Davis markets, but uh, who knows? Maybe if they miss out on Gilmore, they will be sniffing around Darius Williams or, or DJ Reed or somebody like that. Who are some of the corners that if they don't go Gilmore, you would be happy with them uh, bringing in? I think you just mentioned DJ Reed. I think he's a good one. Uh, you know, comes from the Seahawks, so similar schematic background. Young guy. He's going to be 26 this year. Um, good numbers. couple of picks each of the last two years. 17 passes defended in 24 games. Um, I'm looking at the numbers. I don't remember them, remember them <laughs> off the top of my head. But uh, I'm also not learning about him right now. I did research him earlier, so um, I, I did put in some effort with this. But, um, but yeah, he, he actually had really good coverage numbers this year. Um, and, again, the scheme fit is there. He's young. Uh, he's, he's a guy I definitely keep an eye on. I'm, I'm pretty sure someone mentioned him. I saw one article. I forget who, who it was or where it was from. It, it was a real source, though, that was saying that um, he potentially was an option that the Jets would be looking at. So I, I would keep him in mind. Um, I was going to mention Charvarius Ward. He's off the board now. He's yeah, kind of a, a solid starter, but that, yeah, that was a that pretty money? big contract. Um, yeah, that money, no way. I don't know. Cornerback, I feel like the Gilmore thing seems potentially real. If I could see that. I could see DJ Reed. But beyond that, I don't know if there's anyone who really – wows me and it might be better to just you know kind of stick with your young guys keep that building and potentially add to it in the draft um it's not not a ton of awesome awesome options i think outside of uh gilmore and reed right now outside of corner and safety i mean today day one seemed primarily didn't seem it was primarily on the off it was on the offense there was no defensive signings it was all offensive um it there aren't really many other ways that could go offensively unless they want to upgrade center. I mean, obviously they have to do probably bring in more depth at receiver. There's somebody, there were some rumblings that maybe they'll sign another tight end. Connor Hughes kind of dis- disputed that. I, I also agree. I think, I think if anything, they bring back Croft and draft somebody, um, you know, maybe they sniff around the running back market, but I think they're probably done um, at on the offensive side of the ball um, outside of some re-signings. And then maybe they'll sniff around, um, some of the offensive linemen as either depth or, or that center position, but defensively um, I think they are going to make one big splash uh, in the secondary. I don't know exactly who it'll be, but I think they will make a significant splash. Uh, and then in the front seven, Michael, I think they will add somebody else, maybe not qualified as a splash, but maybe a guy who you would be comfortable starting, you know, when they brought in Sheldon Rankins last year, that was somebody we weren't talking about at all. And then it was, you know, a sizable deal. Um you know, and, and we were happy with it. I think they'll do something like that. Maybe it'll be a defensive lineman. Maybe it'll be a linebacker. Who knows? Maybe they'll bring in an edge. 
Um, but are there anybody else that we haven't talked about that you are either hoping the Jets will sign or you think the Jets will sniff around? Um, I mean, I, I feel like we mostly covered what my main priorities were. I mean, the wide receivers just no were interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, with with the way, like, I thought Aluakon would be an interesting option if he was like, you know, five, six million low tier starter, something like that. But he yeah. he went out and got fifteen million a year. <laughs> you know, Devondre Campbell, who I would have liked, um, five year, fifty million, which for him makes sense. It's just that, right. um, you know, the Jets already have C.J. Mosley and are stuck with him. It's, doesn't I don't think it would make a ton of sense to invest in another linebacker, but outside of them, I, I mean, a linebacker addition is possible. Jayon Brown, Christian Kirksey, Aziz Alshair from the 49ers, who is used to being, uh, you know, sub package playing, you know, sub package linebacker playing like a third of the snaps in yeah. San Francisco. So he could fit that role for them. Um, he, Quan Alexander, he makes, he, he makes a ton of sense. Uh, I'll show you. That's a guy that yeah. nobody's talking about. And people were talking about Uzama, but I will say I texted you like a few hours. I did that more, you know, this morning. I said Uzama just seems like the type of guy the Jets will sign. Yeah. I'll show you. Seems like another type of guy where the Jets, the Jets could sign. Um, the other guy I didn't mention, we talked about him on our last podcast, Landon Collins, yeah. who uh, got cut by the Commanders, had a good season and played a lot of linebacker, even though he's that safety background. I think they need to bring in a pass coverage linebacker before the draft. So I think one of those guys, um, because obviously CJ is probably your Mike linebacker. Um, Quincy, uh, you know, that's a heat-seeking missile, a guy you can send on blitzes, uh, hopefully can develop into a better run defender. He, you know, he actually, he was flashing a bit more as a, as a uh, pass coverage linebacker, I will say. But I think they need that, you know, a, a legitimate pass coverage linebacker um, just so you can be you know, confident with on third down. Because as I was saying to you, Michael, I, I think you and I actually both value linebacker more than maybe the general public does, uh, especially in this defense, because you know most the linebackers are involved in pretty much every single play, not only the, the run game, but I mean, any pass that's you know 15 yards or less, which is what, like 80% of passes in today's NFL, it's all at the linebackers. They're all targeting the linebackers. So if you have great pass coverage linebackers, that gives you a huge advantage and, and then if you have highly instinctual linebackers who can sniff out runs and who can read play actions I mean that changes your entire defense and the Jets really suffered from poor linebacker play because this defense in particular um, more so than other defenses the Jets have run simply by just going from a 3-4 to a 4-3 having less linebackers out there and then the style of defense solid plays puts a lot of pressure on them so I don't love the idea of just walking into next year with CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, and then what are you going to draft a rookie in the third round? Because I don't, uh, I mean, maybe they'll draft somebody and maybe they'll draft Nicobe Dean or Devin Lloyd or somebody in the second round, but I don't really think they will. I think maybe they'll draft like Chad Muma or something, um, you know, round three or day three. But I think they need to bring in a, a, a free agent linebacker. It doesn't need to be elite. You don't have to go pay, like you said, you know, foyer $15 million a year, give Devondre Campbell a five year contract. But a guy like El Shear, uh makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and I agree. But, and, and, and to your point about linebacker being more important than most realize, uh, that's definitely something I'm a huge proponent of. I mean, you have two starting linebackers that play every single snap for the majority of teams. They have two guys who are a hundred percenters um at least the jets are definitely operating that way right now um and that's unique compared to the rest of the defense d linemen don't play every snap um and then the corners and the safeties 
typically do two starters, but those guys are not involved in every single play. Yeah. They're not very involved in the run game. Um, and obviously they are in coverage, but um, even, even in coverage, sometimes, you know, if it's a one side of the field concept or rollout or something um, specifically, the safeties are obviously, you know, far away from the ball. They're not always involved. And, and I'm not saying these positions aren't important, but just compared to linebacker, like they're very frequently involved in what's going on and what they're doing has an effect. I, I feel like what the linebackers do affects the result of the play more often than any other defensive position. Um, so it, it, it is really important, even if a lot of what they do isn't flashy and it's just as simple as, you know, getting enough, getting enough depth to cover a crossing route or, you know, executing a blitz in a good way. Even if you don't get a sack, just beat the linebacker, create or beat the running back and create pressure, um, things like that. So it, it is and in, the, in the run game, just even if you don't make the tackle, fill your gap and be where you need to be. So it is an underrated, important position. And I do think the Jets should try to improve it because Quincy Williams, like you said, a talented, useful player, but is he stable enough to be a starter playing every single snap or close to it? I don't think he's quite there yet. So it is something I think they can improve. And, and there are some good options. So I, I would hope to see them get someone like, like I mentioned a few, Jayon Brown, Aziz Alshair, Quan Alexander, um, maybe even Leighton Vander Esch. Um, these are guys who do have past game potential. So I, I, I would look at one of these guys um, to maybe add some competition to linebacker. Um, other than that, looking at other positions, um, I'd be surprised if they looked at an edge rusher, um, maybe a lower tier guy, but um, you know, Arden key, someone like that. Yeah. Um, do, do you think they'll bring somebody to try to take uh, well, I was going to say Vinny Curry's role, but I guess if you're drafting yeah. somebody, then Bryce Huff kind of slides into that role and you have JFM maybe kicks more. And so, I mean, I think they, there is room for another edge, but again, it's just such a great defensive line class. It's like you could take three, four defensive linemen, you know, edged interior and just, you know, maybe not four, but, you know, take three defensive linemen between interiors and edge and you could really, you know, build out this unit because that's how deep this class is. Um, are there any of those lower tier edge guys that you think, could make sense from a, a scheme uh, perspective. Um, I, I mean, like you said, the Vinnie Curry role, I think there are maybe some candidates for that. Like Arden Key, I said, um, Dorrance Armstrong from the Cowboys, I think is an underrated guy because he um, would really improve their edge setting and run defense, which I mm. think is something they can improve at that position. Um, so he, he's an underrated guy. Uh, Mario Addison for the bills. Uh, if they're, you know, veteran pass rusher defensive end i very I much hope, fits that curry bill i hope we sign um, him just so i can hear how you say mario uh you know on a weekly basis i really I mean, hope you bring him into the fold i don't know i because I, I, I you said his name last week and i caught it i didn't say anything but i i know don't don't change it i'd love to, i'd love the mario um, okay but yeah i'm all on board the mario addison train now i'll honestly it's I'll, just an italian thing or whatever that's just how i hear my oh, I don't. There's, so. there's, I guarantee you, there's a lot of people listening to this that are like, I say Mario. I, hey, I'm I'm Team Mario, but I'll I think Mario is honestly a funnier way to say the name. So <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll say Mario. Um, all right. In terms of predictions for tomorrow, um, we'll pro. I mean, I think there'll be some signings, so we'll probably have another podcast come out tomorrow night. Um, so I guess what moves tomorrow specifically do you think the Jets get done? Not what do you want, but what do you think the Jets get done tomorrow? today 
you know, by the time they're listening to it. Man. Um, I, I'm, I definitely feel good about Gilmore or uh, not necessarily good in terms of how I'd react to it. Just confident. Yeah, you keep throwing that qualifier. Do you not want I, Gilmore? I, I, Can I, you I, just come out and say it already? No, I, I like I said, I'd be okay if it's one year on a, a number that makes sense. I, I, I just always like to put in disclaimers to make sure I'm being clear about my stance because I don't want to be misinterpreted. That, that's all I'm doing. Okay. So I, I try to be descriptive okay. with my explanations of. Well, my but you, would you want him? Or, well, why would you put that qualifier unless you didn't want him though? Well, because I said I would feel good as if, you know, I'm explicitly stating I would love it no matter what. But if it were two or three years and it's a, you know, bad number, then I wouldn't love the deal. I can so get behind two I years. I just want to rephrase. Um, but anyway, I feel confident that okay. either Gilmore or Williams will happen. Which one I'm trying to choose? I think I think there's more to the Williams thing. It really seems like there's a lot, yeah. a lot of talk that he's been their guy and there's mutual interests. Um, I, yeah. I, I feel like that is going to end up happening. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Marcus Williams. Other, other than that, um, I mean, I, I, I think we'll see them do like, a, I think they will get a linebacker. Yeah. They'll do a, a very low tier signing at defensive tackle. Um, and then I think start working on maybe some of their own free agents, like um, specifically Flacco. Um um, another tight end signing. I think we'll see another tight end as well. Maybe you do, Hurst. You see, oh, you do think they'll sign another tight end? You don't think they'll yeah. just go to the draft? Okay. I, I think they are going to add another body. Um, so Max, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Max Williams, now that they've already added Uzama, is very intriguing to me, depending yeah. on the, the number. But because of his blocking ability. And, you know, if you sign another guy, it really does free you up in the draft to not have to take a tight end. Because I like the tight end class, but I'm not going to act like I'm, like, in love with the tight ends this year, that this is, like, some amazing tight end class. Like, it's a, it's a relatively, I don't want to say deep, but, like, there's a substantial amount of solid tight ends, but it's not like there's one guy that really is, you know, a dominant force. Trey McBride's the closest thing, but even him, it's like, you know, he's – kind of undersized i mean you're, you're hopefully you're getting like a mark andrews but it's not like there's any kyle pitts this year um so yeah if they if they really like a guy like max williams um I, i'd be all over that i think i think you're right i think the thing to keep in mind with marcus williams this is why i think it'll get done is there aren't many teams that have a needed safety that have the cap space that the jets have so there aren't many teams that can offer marcus williams or would want to offer marcus williams like 15 million dollars a year um and I think part of that's part of the reason the deal hasn't gone is hasn't gotten done is I think Williams probably maybe wants more than what the Jets are offering. Maybe the Jets are only offering 14 and he's trying to push them up to 15 or 16. Um, but I think you're right. I think I think they do sign Marcus Williams. Um, there's just a lot of smoke there. I think Stefan Gilmore probably ends up a Raider. You know, watch me be all wrong about this. I think they sign Al Shair and I think they bring back Flacco tomorrow. Those are my my three predictions are uh, uh Al Shair. Flacco and Marcus Williams for tomorrow. And then anything else behind, there'll probably be one other low tier signing at, you know, somewhere else tight end or defensive tackle or something. But um, by the time you're listening to this, maybe we will all look stupid because none of that will come true. But regardless, uh, we will be back some, well, I guess it's at this point, tomorrow night we'll record. Yeah, I know. today for me. That's true. It's 1020 my time on on the West Coast. I know I missed my annual tradition of doing the here we go Joker gift because I I slept in. I mean, it was like I woke up and it was like 920. I was like, oh shit, I missed missed my my Joker gift, but it's right. I didn't Um, have a Joker tweet, but I I had a well-crafted 
sarcastic tweet that I put out uh, at 12.01 where I was calling for Joe Douglas to be. I, put, I, I, I didn't say for him to be fired, but it was, it was a well-done tweet. Okay, I'll, I'll have to go check that one out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we will record another podcast Tuesday night to come out Wednesday morning. That's, that's a little more clear. Um, assuming the Jets do literally anything. They sign somebody. If they only re-sign Joe Flacco, I don't know if we're doing a podcast. Maybe we'll wait another day. But um, assuming that so there's some movement on the defensive back front, uh, we'll be back um, tomorrow. So thank you, everybody, for listening. You can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania, myself at Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Uh, Michael, any last thoughts um, before we disappear um, for another day? No. Okay. Yeah, I was, I've always waited for you to just say that and just put the pressure right back on me. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. Michael Nanny, everybody. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully the Jets make some moves. Um, go Jets. You, you really threw me off. See, the, the, the outro now is all messed up because you didn't give me enough time to think about what to say. But, oh, God. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.